Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. Today is our last podcast before the regular season begins. We have mercifully reached the end of the preseason, so we will be talking about our preseason takeaways and then giving our predictions for the standings and for all of the major award winners. Before we get underway, uh, give us a follow on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find all three of our Twitter handles in the bio there. Also, check out today's Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids' and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select Styles excludes in-store clearance. This fast break where we're being hosted this year. You can find them on Twitter at today's fast break. And you can also check us out on iTunes. Please check us out there. Give us some downloads, leave some reviews. We'd love any feedback. With that said, we're going to get underway here. As always, I'm joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, guys? Doing good. It's doing good, Bri. All right. Well, we, we need to... Bring down your good moods, because we have some big takeaways from the preseason involving both of your teams. So, Morton, we're going to start with you. Uh, Your Bulls made a trade. They (laughs) traded Tony Snell, who is not good, for Mm -hmm. Michael Carter-Williams, who is also not good. And before I let you rant here, uh, I just need to take a minute and... Acknowledge those who questioned Sam Hinkie for trading Michael Carter-Williams <laughs> for a very lightly protected first-round pick from the Los Angeles Lakers, one that yeah. would have conveyed already had Kobe Bryant not sabotaged them for the last three years. Uh, that pick is probably its top three protected this year. It could fall as high as four. It's probably going to be in the four to eight range this year, or if it God forbid if the Lakers are so bad that it doesn't convey. I believe it's only top one protected or possibly unprotected next year. So if you would rather have that, if you would rather have Tony Snell than that pick, congratulations, you're the Milwaukee Bucks. (laughs) That said, Morton, go ahead. Tell us how you feel about Michael Carter-Williams and (laughs) helping the spacing on the Bulls team. 
So I've been so negative lately that I'm afraid that I'm going to get like an aneurysm at some point. So I, I've just decided to like not be angry and look at the positive, which is Michael Carter Williams is a better basketball player than Tony Snell. There you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. That's really that's really it. I don't have anything else nice to say, so I'm afraid I have to revert back a little bit because I don't know what the hell the Bulls are doing in terms of spacing. They they hire this college coach in Fred Harburg who likes to run, who likes to cut, who likes to shoot, who likes to play like the new era NBA style. And and in doing so, they fire one of the best head coaches in, over the last decade of the NBA. And they justify this firing by saying, oh, Fred is going to be awesome. He's going to play this new era ball. We're, we're going all in on this train. And then they do the complete opposite when they actually construct the roster I, I yeah you know where i stand but you know what to your point about sam hinky i'm just gonna start it up now i'm just gonna fire this whacking up hashtag sam hinky for shy town okay <laughs> i want that hashtag to go trending because i want sam in chicago gar john it hasn't been fun well okay we had we had some years john that was nice gar not so much you know, it's just time to move on, guys. Go go enjoy retirement. You all look 80 anyway. You know, just go away, please. So Bulls fans, you know, don't collectively murder themselves. That'd be nice. Please. Yeah. yeah. You would think, I mean, the city of Chicago has witnessed how multi-year tanking turns out well with the Chicago Cubs, who are now... We're recording this on Saturday, so game six of the championship series is tonight. They could be booking a ticket in the World Series as early as tonight, and they were terrible for a few years, accrued a bunch of top lottery picks, or top draft picks, I should say, and then look at them now. They are suddenly set up for many, many years of success, barring injuries. So, yeah, Sam Hinkie, you're welcome in Chicago, buddy. You got a job. You could leave Palo Alto. Uh, but to your point, Morton, I mean, Tony Snell is not good at basketball. So yeah. Michael Carter-Williams is also not good, but he's slightly less not good than, or slightly more, no, slightly less not good than Tony <laughs> Snell. Slightly better. I should just say slightly better. Uh, you know, he his rookie season, that Rookie of the Year award was a complete mirage. It was just the Sixers had no one else who could create offense. Um, yeah. He's not that player. But he's also, like, he's fine. You know, he could... Rondo, I think we all agree, is not long for the city of Chicago. MCW, yeah. he's going to be a restricted free agent next year. So maybe he's... I don't want to say the long-term answer, because that... I hope you could do a little better than that. But maybe he's mm-hmm. your point guard off the bench if you actually construct a roster that could shoot. Um... Sarah, I think it's time time to turn to you now. Uh, I think Jackie McMullen of ESPN was the first one to stoke these flames. And since then, it's just been a week of out-of-the-blue speculation about LaMarcus Aldridge. She, was, she went on, I believe, a Boston uh, sports network and said, there is no guarantee that LMA lasts the year in San Antonio. And then mm-hmm. since then, there have been a couple of reports trying to <laughs> allay those concerns and say, oh, no, I'm, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm fine in San Antonio. So what's going on there? What, what do you think this came from? 
<laughs> well, you know, I think Jackie McMullen is a credible reporter. Um, the the way that she said everything she said was a little interesting. Um, and, I mean, we know that ESPN has this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy as their MO. They kind of start <laughs> the ball rolling, and then it becomes a story, and all of a sudden, you know, Pop and LaMarcus are being asked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was funny to watch the ball roll down the hill, you know, and gather steam. Um, I thought it was strange, a couple of other parts of her quote, because she said um, that experiment hasn't quite worked out like they, they hoped or thought it would, which is weird after a year to say that. Um, and then she also was asked if she wanted him to come to the Celtics and she said, no, not, not after what I've heard, but she didn't Mm -hmm. say what she heard. So all of that was a little sketchy though. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, to, to say something like that, it kind of disparages a player and, you know, lowers trade value theoretically um without citing any sources um that said i wouldn't worry about it that much i mean as a spurs fan obviously there's usually not a lot of drama that comes out and if if there's rumors usually the opposite of whatever the rumor is is going to happen that's Mm -hmm. usually how it plays out but either way i mean if there's a problem i'm sure we've seen before that the, the spurs get rid of problems so <laughs> right right I, i'm not really concerned about it but for right now marks is going to be a spur and it's funny because it kind of started with um zach lowe's article but his article was literally titled 30 crazy predictions so yeah. it wasn't him saying <laughs> you know they're going to trade him it was they should probably take calls and i think they are like any team always assessing their options you know so i believe that you know, will happen, but I saw other, like, third parties reporting, you know, attributing the quote to Jackie Mack, but then also saying it was also reported by Zach Lowe. Uh, Well, reported is not really the right verb there, because, (laughs) yeah, it came from 30 crazy predictions. Um, So, like I said, it's weird that it all just started rolling down the hill, but I don't, yeah, I don't really care. I don't get uh, worried about rumors. Like I said, if there's a problem, if, if, if he's worried about Kawhi, which is one of the rumors, well, Kawhi's, you know, he's going to be the guy. I think we all know that. So, But Kawhi seems happy to work with LaMarcus, and he's mm-hmm. included LaMarcus in going back to media day. He said, me and L.A. are, are going to be the guys who are going to have to take this team. If it's going to go anywhere, we're, we're the guys that have to do it. So there shouldn't be a problem, and that's where I'll leave it for right now. That's, that's fair. I mean, I, I think – that I also heard this whole there's some tension between Kawhi and LMA, or I should just say like one-sided tension because as you said, Kawhi right. has been very inclusive, uh, and that also dates back to his Portland days. I think Woj mm-hmm. reported a lot uh, that Aldridge was like kind of sensitive about Damian Lillard taking over as the face of the franchise. So right. at this point, like I, I could see that being true. I don't know that he necessarily wants out from a 67-win team, because that's crazy. But (laughs) (laughs) I I could see him being frustrated. Like, maybe they promised that he would be the face of the franchise post-Timmy, but I can't imagine that they forgot Kawhi Leonard was there. Like, I'm I'm sure they... Since Pop is called Kawhi the face of the franchise, since he was, like, before any of us could see that, you know, then I... 
like years ago, then I kind of doubt that they, first of all, I don't think they'd promise anybody you're going to yeah. be the guy because yeah. I just don't see them doing that. But and I think that's why the whole thing has had legs. Um, going back to what you said is because of um, the reports that came out when he left Portland of mm -hmm. him being sensitive. So I think that's another reason why the thing never really went away. Um, and I, I mean, <laughs> it's, this is a stupid small thing, but I could see if he is sensitive, it being a problem. Like this last Friday, Kawhi was being inducted into San Diego state's hall of fame, mm -hmm. but he didn't go. Cause he said, my goal is to make this team better right now. Mm -hmm. So he didn't go literally a week prior to that, the Friday before, um, LaMarcus was inducted to oh, yeah. Texas's Hall of Honor, and he asked if he could go, and he went. Now, I don't see why we should begrudge him that. I don't think okay. any of that was a problem. But if he is sensitive, as has been alleged, I could see him maybe taking what Kawhi said as a shot. Mm. But, I mean, I, I feel like that's probably a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so, I mean, they're not the same guy, but, you know you don't want a bunch of people with the same personality, you know? <laughs> right, so, right. I don't know. As long as they can get along, it's all right. And I, I guess we'll see this year. Robots <laughs> don't hold grudges. So, I mean, why? Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, his software doesn't allow him to be a dick, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't believe it. This isn't Westworld, man. Come on. He, he just no, learned I, how to smile. So He just <laughs> learned. It was in his last software upgrade. It was perfect. It was beautiful as well. Yeah. Look, the, the thing about LMA being annoyed at Kawhi being the face of the franchise and whatnot, like, I could understand it. If Kawhi had like a massive usage rate mm -hmm. and didn't include him and whatnot, but let's—I I just uh, dug up some stats while Sarah was talking, and I found out like last year, uh, the 2014-2015 season, so the the last year before last, Damian Lillard had a usage rate of of uh, 26.9 mm -hmm. percent. Kawhi this year 25.8, which was less, and he had a higher uh, true shooting percentage, so he was more effective. Meaning he took up less possessions, mm -hmm. but but and being like better overall, Lillard also had the the larger shot attempt per thirty six minutes and whatever. So I there's, there's like this lacking evidence of why Lamarcus should Lamarcus should even be upset. Like Kawhi right. is not one of those guys who goes out and says, "Yo, I'm gonna I'm gonna crack for twenty field goal attempts tonight." No, I mean. If he finishes six for nine, seventeen points or something like that, he's fine. Mm -hmm. He's fine, uh, you know. And it seems so weird to me that Lamarcus would even think that, especially when you're on a sixty-seven win team. Yeah. I, so yeah, I, I mean, there might be, you know, the, where there's smoke, there might be some fire, but I think it's like minor stuff, as Sarah alluded to. I just can't imagine it's anything major. And if it is. Also, as you said, Sarah, their Spurs <laughs> yeah. are going to dump him because mm -hmm. Pop ain't got no time for that. Yeah, I mean, I think two things could be a factor here. If he's really that concerned about like his perception around the league, then going to a San Antonio team where they intentionally limit your minutes. like His, his minutes per game dropped by five last year. So, yeah. of course, his per game production also dropped slightly. Uh, so that was like, what were you expecting, man? Of course they were going to play you less than 35 minutes a game. That's what Pop has done for years, and you're on the wrong side of 30 already. Also, yeah. I mean, if he's worried about marketing, 
like San Antonio is not a, a hotbed. I mean, like Tim and Kawhi, you know, Tim's one of the best 10, 15 players that ever play the game. And how many non HEB commercials did you see Tim Duncan in? Like, it's just not how they do things down in San Antonio. And that's fine. Like, that works perfectly for them. Um, and then finally, did like, you just bring up that uh, all time number again you just said about Tim? Did you say top f- 14 or 15? I said top 10 or 15. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I was, I was like, <laughs> oh, no. because I'm, th- I'm sitting here thinking top three. So I was yeah. like, oh, okay. no, no, no. I, I'm, uh, I'll give him some leeway if people are that upset about top ten, but I think he's top ten as well. Um, but yeah, then, okay. lastly, I mean, if he wants to be the face of a franchise, where can he go? Like, there aren't that many teams <laughs> in need yeah. of a face of the franchise. Like, maybe Phoenix, I guess, or like. Los Angeles, if they want to, the Lakers, if they want to expedite their rebuild. But, like, Mm. most teams at least have one either established guy or one, like, up-and-coming guy who they are already presenting as the face. So it's like, he just, if he's really trying to be Batman, like, maybe you just need to be Robin. Like, that's okay. No one's going to judge you. And Phoenix was in play. Last yeah, year, right, right, right. Like right. they they went out and signed Tyson Chandler to attract him there. Yeah, and like Lamarcus would have known that if you gone there, he would have been the face of the franchise. Like he made a decision to be like a part of something greater, mm-hmm. and at least that's what I think. And right now, we're also being a little bit unfair. We're kind of like <laughs> scrolling with Lamarcus, like, "Hey, man, you know what are you signing up for?" You know, we might not know what happened. Like right, he right, actually right. might feel pretty darn good about being there just said something wrong maybe i don't know but fact of the matter is he should be happy where he is obviously there's not going to be any other situation that's better for him that could coincidentally be portland who is lacking a offensive minded big man right yeah right well you can't you can't go anywhere and be the undisputed guy and win yeah. So that's kind of is like if the winning makes you happy, then you know. But yeah, I mean, we don't know what was said. I like I said, I think it really it started from all the stuff that came out when he left Portland, and mm-hmm. then Jackie Mack said whatever she said, and then it started rolling down the hill. And like I said, then people went back to Zach Lowe's thing and were like, "Wait, they're all saying that it must be true." Uh, it's not quite how it happened, but yeah. So we we are not expressing too much concern about LaMarcus being on the trade block just yet. We will see what happens. How the Spurs, I mean, that's what Zach Lowe said, was we'll see how they get out this year and if they stumble early without Tim and realize this is kind of a rebuilding year, then they might start taking calls. But it's not like LaMarcus is at risk of being traded between now and opening night. He's going to be a spur. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a spur for the next three days. So everyone chill a little bit on that. Uh, we've been reluctant to touch upon this next point, but now that it is over, we're going to touch on it tangentially. Uh, Derek Rose's civil trial, he was found by a jury, he was found not guilty. We're not going to touch on what he actually did or did not do, but Morton does have a rant to unleash that will build upon what we've been saying for months about Derek Rose. So go ahead, Morton. Well, it's just the fact that what happened after the trial is is just so, so tone deaf for everyone involved. Like, mm-hmm. Derek was out taking pictures with jury members. Yeah. And the judge came up to him and said, 
something like good luck with everything uh unless you know when when you're playing the lakers mm-hmm. like when the knicks play the lakers and it's like look we all know that the trial was a it was, it was about a rape trial we are not going to go into details and whatnot but like that's just so insensitive to the entire process justice system whatever and I, I, I don't, I, you know, people are just spouting hot takes left and right regarding Derek. And look, here's the thing. There are two ways of looking at it, right? The, the one is that Derek was like all willing to take these photos. Mm-hmm. Or he was like, I just got off. These are my peers who got me off of paying $21.5 million. I'm happy. I might feel obliged to to take these pictures and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not let, that I'm putting the fault at his feet. I'm just really pissed off at the whole aftermath of the thing. And I mean, look, that's just not proper in any yeah. way. And it's not about basketball, this rant at all. It's just, this is going to hurt him as well. Like he said some things during this trial that's going to affect all of our views of him forever. Yeah. And even if he is legitimately innocent which which we hope he is because that means nothing happened right um then it's just it's just such a bad way of wrapping it up right yeah i mean it's just gross like the whole thing is just gross and whether he did or did not force himself upon the defendant uh just some of the views that came out from him about his view on women his we men comment Oh, I mean, that, yeah, yeah that, I think you said it well. It just, no matter whether you think he's innocent or guilty, perception of him has changed because of this whole thing. And, I, you know, I, you said it well. Like, I hope I hope he truly is innocent. I hope it, he really did not force himself upon anyone. Uh, we already have a presidential candidate who does that enough for everyone. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it's just hard to think of him in a basketball manner at this point. So extremely, so extremely. I and I mean, I feel bad for Knicks fans who have to process those conflicting feelings the whole year because mm. I know a lot of Bulls fans are happy that they don't have to be dealing with it, but also very sad yeah. because Derrick Rose, like five years ago, I mean. You know, he was such a, he was like the reigning MVP and he, he just seemed to have the world at his fingertips. And now yeah, it's a very different, uh, very different career path he's on. So we wanted yeah. to touch on that briefly. Uh, the next big thing is Adrian Wojnarowski of The Vertical reported that a new CBA appears to be imminent, which means no lockout next year. Woo woo! Um, we haven't gotten... Too many details yet. Uh, he did say the revenue split is about to be, is expected to be about the same, so about forty nine to fifty one percent of BRI. He said the one and done rule is supposed to be in place. Um, there's talk of expanding rosters to have like two D league call up spots, which is cool. Yeah. So sixteen and seventeen would be guys who can go back and forth between the D league and not count against your roster. Um, I don't think I haven't seen any details about contracts, like whether there's a like the, if there's still max contracts or if they just completely got rid of those. If they raise the limits on max contracts, 
he did say uh, rookie deals are going to be about twice as much. Same with exceptions. So we'll wait to see uh, what happens in terms of the final agreement. He said they've hammered out all the major parts. Now they're just working on some of the minor details. Um but one thing was it, double, was it doubled up on the rookie deals? That's what I, think. I thought. It, I thought it was fifty percent. Oh, was it? I thought I saw it double. I'm not sure. But oh, okay, cool. Either way, uh, the guys on 2016 rookie contracts are now some of the best in the league because <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah. they just they just snuck right in there. Um, but one thing we did want to touch on is the length of the preseason. So I think Mort, you were the one who wanted to bring that up. Like eight games, come on now. Yeah, that's almost ten percent of the whole season, right? I, I know there's been some talk about them limiting to, to six, and I, I guess that's better. I personally think five is the magic number. Like, what can you learn? This is a question for you, like both of y'all. What can you learn in eight games that you can't in five when it comes to like preseason and you have like a training camp behind you and you have summer league? Like, what does those three extra games really do outside of just like milk some money off of people who visit like the, the, the centers. Yeah. I think it's more for the guys, the fringe guys than it is for the starters. Like, yeah, you're not going to learn very much about your starters between five games and eight games. Cause I mean, most teams are going to have at least some form of established player and like some core in place. Like there are very few times where you have a, 2010 Miami Heat where you really need all of the time to coalesce uh, so I do think it's more about those guys who are competing for like the 14th and 15th spots on the roster but that said I'm totally for it shortening preseason uh, by a few games I have no problem with that Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing Brian I think it's more about watching those last five or so guys mm. and gives them an opportunity to put stuff on tape but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would ask the coaches, do you think you really need this many games? And I think a lot of them would say they probably don't. And I know it's been talked about before. I mean, Tony Parker used to say that he would talk about that in the Players Association meetings as a way of like also spreading the season a little more so you don't have so many back-to-backs. Mm. So that would be kind of nice, like shorten preseason and move up opening night a little bit. Mm. Um, and then you can spread the games a little better. But uh- yeah, that would be cool. So yeah. hopefully that's going to be addressed in the CBA as well. If, I mean, if it's going to be addressed, it will be in there. Otherwise, we're going to be stuck with the safe system. Um, but Yeah, it's 90 games for non-playoff teams. Yeah, it's a lot. When you think about it, like, and we're talking about limiting games in the regular season. I would rather like take a chump off the, the exhibition games and then let the regular season stay close to intact. Like, if they were considering going down to, like, what, 75 or 72? Yeah, I think... Then I would rather cut something, some of the games off in, you know, preseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and the, the concern about shortening the regular season is then you're sacrificing a lot of money on both sides, players and teams. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. why it's That's largely... Why it won't happen. Right. <laughs> That's why it's <laughs> largely viewed as a non-start. But I can't imagine... I mean, like exhibition games, most of these aren't even on, or some of them aren't even on local TV, and none of them are on League Pass, so it's not like you're making a huge amount of money from television revenue, and I, you know, I don't think attendance is necessarily great at a lot of these games. You're not packing seats like you are during the regular season, so 
in terms of revenue alone, that does seem like the place to cut if you're going to at all. Um, American League Pass, though. We get everything over here. Yeah, that's crap, man. <laughs> what I, is that? I don't know. I have no idea. I, I remember you actually looking for like the Philly Boston feed yeah. for Embiid's debut. Yeah. And and I, I hadn't even checked on League Pass at all. Uh, when you said on Twitter that it wasn't airing, I thought, oh, I'm just going to check that out. And of course, it was right there, streaming live as it is. Like We we have the luxury package over here for some reason. We get everything. That's so absurd. It's, it's absurd. Yeah, no no Americans have that. And I've been very bitter because I've been missing a lot of <laughs> Joel Embiid during the preseason. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Felt like it I had to be hard like... hard over here. We, we're all searching and trying not to, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I won't say, but yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it, it's rough out here. Finding some to sort watch of the preseason Russian website to find <laughs> to watch a stream on and not give your computer a million viruses. It's good times. Yeah. Uh, though, though I thought I saw that there's no minimum requirement for preseason games. Oh, true? really? Yeah, because like the Spurs only played six, I think. Oh, so maybe it's more about like length of training camp than actual yeah. preseason games. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully that gets addressed in the new CBA. We will knock on wood. We will see in the next couple weeks and avoid a lockout, so everyone has a free summer of 2017. Uh, before we move on to our season predictions, let's talk about some preseason breakouts that we've noticed. And I'm obviously going to start with my boy JoJo Embiid, <laughs> who I'm going to be writing about him. Uh, it will be going up Tuesday at the Step Back, fan-sided's new NBA vertical about his Rookie of the Year chances. So I'm not going to spoil what I'm going to say there, but I will say I think he surpassed any reasonable expectation. Um, you know, it, it took him a couple games to really get into rhythm, but on Friday night he dropped 18 points and nine rebounds in 18 minutes, which is just like. Oh my god! Oh, I mean, I didn't see the game. Uh, I watched highlights afterward, but I saw that stat line on Twitter and just lost it. So, knock on wood, JoJo is going to stay healthy and he's going to justify. I mean, no one's going to care if he stays healthy. No one will care that the Sixers wasted three years, two of which he was on the team recovering, because he's showing the type of promise that they've been raving about ever since drafting him. Like he really could be a transcendent two way big man, you know, like move over Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis. You, you have company and his name is Joel Embiid. So easy tiger. Hey, I mean, again, health is the only concern there. Like he would have been the number one pick in that draft in a draft with Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker had he been healthy. So Talent I just, I just hate the fact that you're right, Brian, because he looks great. Okay? <laughs> I'll admit it. I'll admit it. I'm jealous. Yeah. I want him on my roster, but I, I'm just not going to give you the satisfaction yet. That's fair. That's, I mean, that'd be too easy. I, that'd be too easy. I'm still. We are nowhere out of the woods in terms of him being over these foot injuries. So you can only hope. Like, oh, the podcast where he gets hurt again after we record no. that. Yeah, I know. Don't, don't put it out there. Oh, you you just you just jinxed that one. I'm trying to reverse jinx it. I'm just gonna oh, okay. talk myself into it happening, and then he's gonna stay healthy and dominate the league for ten years. Uh, has anyone else caught your guys' eye throughout the preseason? 
Oh, I just wanted to say that he's the new Boban. Oh, <laughs> did the, you the player efficiency plus minus king? <laughs> did you see him? Like, there's a photo of him when they were playing the Pistons, and he made Andre Drummond look like an ant. And then he's playing against Boban, and he's the only person yeah. that can make Boban look like a normal size. <laughs> like, it's just two giants. I have it was to look amazing. for pictures. Yeah, it, it he was is amazing. legitimately seven two, right? Yeah, he, he has is. To be. He is. Yeah. Like these, it's not one of those you know exaggerated ideas that you know pop up like oh we have a guy who's six eleven we're gonna call him seven one like right. no he's he looks legitimately seven two yeah as for players no not really like I I what opened my my eyes yesterday actually was Carl Anthony Towns mm-hmm. like stepping back on Frank <laughs> Kaminsky and draining a three and the motion of which he did it reminded me of J.R. Smith. Oh, God. Like just just realize for a second what I just said. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. He's freaking seven feet tall. Yeah. And it's he not hyperbole threes. at all. Yeah, like yeah, what you said yeah. is entirely accurate. It's ridiculous. Like, oh my God. God, he's gonna be tremendous. Yeah, I, I, I really, ha- and I, I, I think I read a tweet saying he had not missed a free throw for the entirety of the preseason as well. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> this is gonna be like one of those Kevin Durant type players, efficiency wise, for the center spot. Yeah, ten years from now as well. Like he's gonna be one of those sixty-five true shooting percentage kind of players. Yeah. Jeez, man! I'm never gonna forgive the ping pong balls for not bouncing in the Sixers' <laughs> favor last year. Because if you had Embiid and Towns on the same roster, that game over, just <laughs> league over, yeah. just start yeah. start a new league because you're not gonna beat that team. Um, yeah. Sarah, how about you? Anyone caught your eye during the preseason? Um, just watching the Spurs. Um, I have to give a shout out to Davis, and I have to apologize for butchering his name. <laughs> I talked about him. Yep, we all did. Yeah, I didn't trust myself to say his last name, which I believe is Bertans. But I said, oh, "I'll just stick with his first name," and then I Americanized it like yep. the ignorant American that I am. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's harsh. Um, I just you, you guys know I've been kind of interested to see him come over for years now, and excited yeah. and. I actually like him even more than I thought I was going to, so I'm excited about that. Not only is he as good as advertised a shooter, but he moves his feet pretty darn well on defense. Uh, he just has a really good feel for the game. Like, you know, when they run at him, his shot fake is great, and he his handle looks nice. I've seen him pull off a couple of like spin moves already. So, and he likes to go for the the one handed jam. He tried one last night and he got fouled, but it was pretty exciting so i'm looking forward to seeing him uh hopefully hit some shots for the spurs and open up the offense that'd be lovely am i hearing wedding bells (laughs) sounds like it yeah yeah so excited that that is true love to replace tim duncan davis is stepping in there (laughs) um all right a couple other guys just league-wide non-sixers edition that have caught my eye d'angelo russell i think he has proven uh, that his up-and-down rookie season last year was due to Byron Scott being an awful coach, not him being an awful player. Under Luke Walton, he is going to be a monster. Um, so anyone who was concerned about him last year, this preseason should have taken that out. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, who was 
banged up a lot for last year. I think he missed about 50 games, and it seemed like he was in Mike Malone's doghouse for a bunch of the year. But as a rookie, he was great. And this year, he's come out in the preseason and just been annihilating people. So it's good to see him back healthy. Uh, Malone said he's in great shape. Um, so, I mean, him and Jokic paired together, it's going to be a lot of fun for Nuggets fans this year. We'd... Don't rub it in, Brian. Yeah. Gallinari looks good, too. Yeah. They're reportedly starting all three. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, the, that's the plan. I know I have hard eyes over that. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They they must have listened to our podcast where we said that <laughs> Kenneth Reed should not be starting. So good on you, Nuggets. And then Devin Booker is the other one. I mean, the kid's only 19 years old, and he's just an electric scorer already. So it's going to be really fun. That Suns team is not going to be very good this year. Uh, so they really have no reason not to play him heavy minutes because he's definitely the potential to become the face of their franchise over the coming years. So those... Those were the big three that caught my eye uh, that were not on the Sixers and not named Embiid or Dario Saric. So now I think it's time that we need to move to our predictions. Um, you you can go back and listen to all of our division podcasts. To, you'll probably not be surprised by many of these picks, so we'll spend most of our time here on the award predictions, but let's just run through. For me on the Western Conference, I have the Warriors first. Clippers second, Spurs third. I'm sorry, Sarah. Third's still pretty good. Uh, Grizzlies fourth, Jazz fifth, Rockets sixth, Thunder seventh, and Mavericks eighth. And I know Morton is mad because I do not have the Timberwolves in the playoffs. And believe me, I'm mad at myself. Uh, Sarah, how about you for the Western Conference? I got you, Mort. I got you covered. (laughs) I'm glad. Um, glad. I went Warriors one, of course. I actually went Clippers too as well. Oh, um, wow. Mainly because it's not necessarily that I think they're going to be a better team than the Spurs overall, but I think the Spurs could get off to a slow start. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I thought watching preseason was this year could require more patience than, than we've needed to have as Spurs fans for a little while because uh, there are some young guys who are going to have to play a big role. So, and And also old guys but who need to be integrated so um yeah it could be a slow start and then you know if the, the clippers have the same core that they've had forever right and you know they know what they're doing so if they get off to a fast start it could be hard to catch them yeah. so uh warriors clippers spurs i went grizz four jazz five uh, blazers mavs wolves nice okay and yeah like I don't know. I feel bad leaving out the Thunder and the Rockets. That was a hard decision, mm-hmm. but I had to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they're like... They could flip. Yeah, they're legit 10 teams. And even throwing the Pelicans, if they can stay healthy, and if Drew comes back relatively early, like they are another team. I think Zach Lowe had them just missing the playoffs as well. So like, there are legitimately 11 teams in the West that have a pretty good chance. I'd say the Nuggets, the Kings, the Lakers, and the Suns are the only ones that would need a lot to go in their favor <laughs> to make the playoffs. <laughs> so don't trifle with any of our later Western Conference picks, people, because we believe all of these teams are good. How about you, Morton? How do you have the West shaken out? 
Oh, well, here's the thing. There's probably going to be some inconsistencies because I haven't gone back to listen to the prior podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you some of them I was unsure about. And I, I could probably, you know, say a couple of things now that wouldn't apply a week back. But I agree with the top three, mm-hmm. both of y'all as well. I, I just think the Spurs have too many new faces and they're they're kind of facing a change in in their whole direction a little bit and i do think that's going to cost them in the win-loss column just a little bit Uh, and i agree with sarah i do think overall they're the better team than than the clippers but the record will show seed number three as the fourth seed i have the jazz uh i i believe they're better than the grizzly i love what they did this summer they Mm -hmm. built a team then I have the Gris. Then I have the Thunder at six. Uh, I'm actually a little bit... Yeah, I wrote a piece on Russell Westbrook, and it's made me think that they actually have some weapons at their disposal. But they could they could drop. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mavs and Minnesota. Okay. Wow, I'm the only one with the Rockets. Damn. Yeah, not not a Rockets yeah. believer at all. That's the, I will say I made these before the news about Patrick Beverly needing surgery, so that I actually probably should have dropped the Rockets down a little bit as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I think all of these are fair. You know, I'd say it seems like we're all pretty pretty set with the Warriors, Clippers, Spurs in the top three. The Grizzlies, Jazz, in some order, is the next two best in the West. So all five of those teams, we pretty firmly believe, could be playoff teams. And then six through ten or six through eleven, kind of a crapshoot. It's going to come down to injuries, as always. Uh, let's move to the East now. I no surprise. I think all of us will have the Cavs at one. Um, I have then the Celtics at two, the Raptors at three, the Pistons at four. The Hawks at 5, the Hornets at 6, the Pacers at 7, and the Wizards at 8. And I will give a shout-out to Chris Axman, uh, the Almighty Prophet. You can find him at Almighty Baller at Twitter. Uh, I was higher on the Pacers, and then he made me realize that they really are going to be a very bad defensive team this year, (laughs) aside from Paul George and Miles Turner. So that's why I have the Pacers at 7. Morton... I'm guessing your Bulls are not in your playoff mix. How does your they, uh, how do your projected standings shake out? They are exactly like yours, except for number eight. Oh, okay. I'm replacing the Wizards with the Bucks. Ooh, even without actually, Chris Middleton. I'm consi- yeah, yeah, without Chris Middleton. I just love their length. Okay, and and it just seems like they're playing so much cleverer. The thing is, I'm kind of wobbling on whether I want to put the Bucks at seventh instead and just flip them over a little bit. Yeah, and put them because then Pacers like, at eight. Like, yeah, because as you mentioned, the defense <laughs> is not going to be that that good. Nope. Also, I just realized that I actually forgot uh, in the Western Conference bringing up the the Blazers at six. Yeah, I, I just yeah. So just a minor correction on my part. Uh, I only mentioned seven teams. Oh. So yeah, so you and I are are in in agreement overall about the Eastern Conference, especially with you know Boston should be number two, right? Yeah. Like that's really the 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 big debate for me is Boston or Toronto, like at two. I just I think the Celtics are a lock there. Yeah, I do too. I think Horford adds so much to that team, and Terry Rozier yeah. is getting a lot of buzz. Like I think they have gotten deeper, uh, both at 
at, at guard and at forward and at center. So, I mean, the Marcus Smart injury is a little concerning, but it sounds like he's not ruled out even for opening night. Um, and I feel like the Raps are just due for a little regression too. So I, yeah. I, I think the Celtics are the clear two there. Sarah, how about you? How do you see the East shaking out? The East is always harder for me to get a feel on because I don't get to watch them as much. But, um, like, at, at one point I was really thinking that the Knicks could make it, and I almost had to call y'all in the middle of the night <laughs> bring me off the ledge because I don't know what I'm doing. But um, I went Cavs 1, Celtics 2, the Raptors 3, Hawks 4, Pacers 5, Pistons 6, Hornets 7, Wizards 8. Oh, okay. Um, the Pistons, it's like, you feel like they could move around, but mm-hmm. the the Jackson injury hurts yeah. them. The Wizards have Jan Hurt and Wall coming off of knee surgery and Beal with restrictions. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like the Hornets are going to struggle to score, so like I, I didn't feel like putting them that high, but not that seven is high, but <laughs> it's like... I have this problem where I I judge teams based on, like, against ideal perfection, which doesn't exist, right? Even though the Warriors try to upset reality. But I judge them on that instead of, like, against their actual competition. So I'd be looking at a bunch of these teams in the East, and I'm like, these are not playoff teams. But they are, because there's eight spots. So (laughs) it's tough, man. I, I actually, watching Miami the other day, I feel like it kind of just depends if they want to go for a spot or not. I feel like they could potentially make it. It's because they have a lot of uh, young guys who defend. Like Justice Winslow looks really good. His shot Mm -hmm. looked pretty darn good when I was watching him play the other night. So I don't know. And they also moved the ball well and shot the ball really well. Of course, that was one preseason game against the Spurs who it looked like were not like it looked like their plan was to give up open threes this year. Which I don't <laughs> think it's going to be, but um, yeah, if that's the case, then I'm going to be conveniently out of town anytime we play the Warriors. So. Yeah, yeah. So that's my that's my pick. The, the Heat definitely could. They just don't. They they like they're lacking that name brand talent, but they do mm-hmm. have a bunch of decent players, and along with some truly great ones in Whiteside and Dragic, and I think. You know, we talked about this in the Southeast pod, uh, how they're going to run a lot more now that Wade isn't there and Bosch is sidelined indefinitely. So it actually may be to the benefit of Dragic and Whiteside to be without these guys who were the superstars of the team even a year ago. So let's move into our award predictions. And I think we should go from, I don't want to say the least interesting to most interesting, but... Executive of the year. No one's really clamoring for that one. Uh, <laughs> I chose Bob Myers at the Golden State Warriors just because it tends to go to a guy who makes the biggest splashy signing of the summer. And to Myers' credit, he actually had to manipulate a lot of pieces to make that work. He had to find a taker for uh, for Bogut. And then he also stole Patrick McCaw from the Bucks uh, during the draft, which is going to already haunt them. So any... Other objections to Bob Myers? Or do we all think he's... Well, Uh-oh. not objections, but Dennis Lindsay of the Jazz deserves some recognition. Okay, that's fair. That was my pick. I mean, I think yeah. um, I think Myers might win it, and he probably deserves to. Uh, a lot of times it's like a year behind, so I feel like what he did to set them up 
probably he deserves it. And then, like you said, he had to he had to fill out the roster, and he did a really nice job doing that. Even though it's a little easier now when everyone wants to be a warrior. But, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Shots fired. But yeah, I picked I picked Dennis Lindsay because yeah, I love the way the Jazz roster looks right now. So I like yeah. that pick. You you guys make a good point. So maybe it will not be a runaway for Bob Myers. Uh, let's go to Coach of the Year next. We talked about this in numerous division preview pods. This thing is wide open. I mean, there's, in theory, Steve Kerr is probably the favorite just because he was last year. Um, but if they stumble a little bit, which could happen because they're working in so many new pieces, it's a wide open race. So, Sarah, who do no, you it's have? Not. Oh, Tips. oh, okay. Morton, since you... Tips. Tibbs? Okay, yeah, that's, that's not Tips. surprising. Yeah, okay. Come on, man. If if Minnesota makes the playoffs, yeah, that's true. It has to be tips. That's true. If they make yeah. the playoffs, <laughs> yeah, I I feel like Kerr should be off the table just because. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he deserves to win, and I'm glad he did. But um, even though it was weird because he ended up, you know, not being able to be on the bench for so long last year, but. Uh, like I, I, mean, I don't think Pops ever repeated. I don't think it it goes to, <laughs> you yeah. know. So, anyway, but I am with you, Morton. I had either Tibbs or or Stotts, but mm. I think oh, that's a good one. That's a good one too. Yeah, but I think if the if the Timberwolves make the playoffs as you and I both have them doing, then mm. then yeah, I think Tibbs will probably win and should. <laughs> that's uh, he. I, I'm honestly torn between him and my the guy I ultimately settled on. I took Brad Stevens. I just, I think this Boston team, is, no one's sleeping on them. Like, everyone expects them to win 50 games. But I think they're going to put more of a scare into the Cavs in terms of regular season standings. It would not totally shock me if the Celtics won more games than the Cavs this year. I don't think it's going to happen because I think the Cavs are going to try to jostle for home court advantage. But, you know, they're also talking about resting LeBron more, resting Kyrie more. Uh, and I just think this Celtics team, they've got 55 win potential. Um, I just like, I like how they've looked in the preseason. And I just think Horford is such a perfect fit for Stevens that they're going to take that next step forward. And it's going to be tough for him to win just because like they won 48 last year. So even if they win 56 or 57, that's not as big of a jump as the Timberwolves going from 29 to 45 or 48 or whatever. So that is why I, I think you guys are totally right to have Tibbs floating out there as well. Um, but Oh, he's not floating. He's, he's locked in. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, I forgot to list six man a year when I was doing these, but let's do six man, and you guys don't know who I'm picking. So I'm going <laughs> to increase the suspense for you. Sarah, how, how do you see this one shaking out? It's kind of a tough one because I went to look back at like people I liked last year, and wasn't Barton a big a top choice? Mm-hmm. But like he's mm-hmm. he's going to start this year, isn't he? Um, I I feel like Iggy still hasn't gotten his credit, so mm-hmm. especially if he keeps that bench, which is a little different this year, if he keeps them performing at a high level, then then he should get some credit. Um, and I've talked to you guys about. <laughs> how much I like the Lakers bench and when we did our preview for them uh, I was under the assumption that Clarkson was going to start 
and he's apparently not, at least to start the year. Um, that may change with both him and, and Nance, but I would like either of them. Uh, of course, I don't know that they'll get consideration because the Lakers are going to be bad. <laughs> but I think they're they're two top candidates, in my opinion. I like those picks. Yeah, at Clarkson's especially. That's a good call. Uh, Morton, how do you see this one? Shaking out. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to report Sarah because she stole my pick. Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson. Oh damn! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, no, as soon as I heard about him coming off the bench, I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if that hangs true for the whole year, that's that better be him. But look, can we agree on something? The six man of the year award is bullshit because <laughs> it goes to like the best scorer, not the best player coming off the bench. Yeah. Like, I know I'm a Bulls guy, but just leave that be for a second. Can we agree that one of the years in which Jamal Crawford won, it should have been Taj Gibson's? Oh, yeah. He came off the bench and played, like, you know, all NBA defense-esque, you know, production. He had that sort of influence. And he, he could score and he could rebound. He came in and offered three different dimensions of the game. And then Crawford won despite shooting like forty percent or something like that, and just came in and chucked the ball, like the and he won it again last year. Right? Like I, this this reward is so silly. It's so silly. It's I mean, come on, Monty Python is looking at this and going, <laughs> "Oh, this is this is messed up, man." I mean, I just want fair representation of the award, and whoever that is, I don't care as long as you like get a clear definition of the six man. Damn. Yeah. It does tend to go to the guy, the top scorer, rather than the best two-way player. Uh, so yeah. I think we can all agree that whoever wins, as long as it's not Jamal Crawford, we are all winners this year. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm torn. Before the Beverly injury, I wanted to say Eric Gordon because I just think he's going to be such a good fit for a D'Antoni offense. And... You know, since in the thirty-five games that he right, plays, right? There's <laughs> exactly that's that's my biggest reservation. You just can't count on him for more than like fifty or sixty games. Um, yeah, and it sounds like he's probably now going to start because Beverly is going to be out for at least a little while. So I don't think. I mean, it goes. To, it tends to go to a guy on a good team. So Brandon Knight's probably not going to win, but I think he actually. He fits the mold of that super scorer off the bench, especially since since Booker's not going to start. So if voters are smart enough to disregard record, I would pick him. Otherwise, Ennis Cantor stands out as a pretty, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy who's actually going to be on a decent to good team, and he's going to put up huge numbers, especially with Durant and Ibaka no longer there. So I guess... Yeah. If I have to pick it officially, I'll say Cantor, but in my heart of hearts, I want it to be Brandon Knight because I think he's he fits that mold a little bit better. Uh, most improved player, I, Morton, I don't know if you would agree. This one is a wide open race, but in my eyes, there are at least a couple guys who easily yeah. could win this one. Um, so, Mort, let's start with you on that. Who do you see as the MIP? Seth Curry. Ooh, mm. good yeah. one. And, and and the reason is because, again, look, I have a lot of problems with these awards. Mm-hmm. And it's, in particular, it's the definition of it. Like, I, if D'Angelo Russell wins it, it's going to be like, well, 
you know, he was drafted second, he's supposed to get a lot better. Right. I I really want the guys who come out of nowhere, like look at the past, like the Daryl Armstrongs, mm-hmm. the Jalen Roses. Like, you know, I know he was like the 13th pick back in the day, but his career had spanned such a long time that he was like, oh, he's probably not ever going to crack through. And then he did. And the same went for Jimmy Butler and a lot of other guys. Like, I want that sort of most improved player. I don't want the, uh, you know, the high lottery pick supposed to get better player. That's 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 cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It does. I mean, McCollum last year, he was the 10th pick, um, but he averaged like fewer than yeah. five points a game his first two years and then erupts for 20 points a game last year. And then it was... He was a very easy pick for that. So, to your that was fair too because his production had never been inclined to lean that way, right? Right. I mean, yeah, he was just buried on the bench, and then he gets. But that to your point, it's almost like everyone saw a breakout from McCollum coming to that extent, not necessarily, but it was like, okay, yeah. this dude's playing 15 minutes a game. He's averaging five points. You double his playing time, or like, look at what he did the final 10 games of the 2014-15 season and even into those playoffs after Wes Matthews got hurt, he was a monster. Like It was very obvious that he was going to have a big year. And I think that was the one pick. I, I you know I don't think anyone's tracking this, but if you went back and looked at everyone's picks from last year, their preseason picks, I bet MIP was the one that most people got right because I think McCollum was the pretty easy choice there. But luckily, yeah. this year is a little more up in the air. Uh, Sarah, who do you have as the most improved player this year? Well, Morton just blew me out of the water because I didn't even think about Seth. Yeah. And I think it, it probably will go to a guy more like him or like somebody like Justin Anderson if he has Ooh, a huge year. That'd be fun. But, um, I, and I swear I picked this before I actually read your award picks, uh, Ryan, but I had D'Angelo as well. And that would be his compensation for having his first year stunted. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Byron Scott tax. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I yeah, I also have D'Angelo. Uh, yeah, I just think we we've seen in the preseason he's Cheaters. gonna have he's gonna have a monster year, and it's like Cheaters. you can thank Byron Scott for giving him this award because yeah. <laughs> otherwise like he would have had a great rookie season and it would be even better this year but it would just be a natural like a natural line of development whereas now he's yeah. gonna have such a better year and people would be like oh he's not a bust he was just playing under a terrible coach okay uh so he i mean i think he's the front runner but Miles Turner is the guy that I'm keeping my eye on as a dark horse. And Mort, I know, nice. Yeah, I know he still fits into your. He's he's still a lottery pick. He was 11. Uh, yeah, but he's under the radar though. Like yeah. everyone knows that D'Angelo Russell is going to become a star. Mm-hmm. Like it, even last year when he was benched and limited, it was evident he had that game right. that would translate. Miles Turner. You know, you had you could see in in summer league that he had something to offer, but you really didn't quite know what it was. And then he came onto the scene and he blew up, and you were like, "Okay, this this guy has got something real special." And now, I have a feeling that he's going to surprise us one more time. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that if our expectations of him does not reach the expectation that he has for himself. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, I like that. That's fair. Like I'm not saying any lottery pick couldn't, but like if you drafted like top three, yeah, 
That's fair. Yeah, you know, and and Russell was drafted second. I mean, it's just... It's you're supposed to get better unless you're drafted by the Knicks. That's okay. <laughs> hey, Kristaps, leave the unicorn out of here. He's our one. Oh, home. he's fourth. Yeah, he's oh, fourth. that's true. It's okay. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, all right. So we actually talked a little about this before we started recording. Uh, defensive player of the year, and I think actually let let's skip to rookie of the year because we have DPOI and MVP are somewhat. <laughs> uh, lock together this year so let's go to rookie of the year for now uh ben simmons i think was the easy pick until he suffered a foot fracture you're shaking your head mort i don't like that uh you you can tell me why i'm wrong after i will say that sixers uh brett brown yet on friday came out and said simmons is expected back in january so there were conflicting reports about whether he would, you know, the, the timeline for this injury is supposed to be three months. So when the news first broke, ESPN said he would be back in January. Uh, but Bob Cooney of the Daily News spoke to someone close to Simmons that said there's no way his agent's going to let him play this year. So there were conflicting reports, at least initially, about whether he was going to play or not. Sounds like he will be back, but he's probably not going to play enough minutes and enough games uh, to win Rookie of the Year. So now it's once again wide open. So, Mort, first tell me why I'm wrong about Ben Simmons being the presumptive favorite, and then tell me who your pick is. Not enough minutes to go around. Like, he's he's playing one of the big spots. Mm-hmm. He has to. That's where he's best. Mm-hmm. And you have so many front court guys. And I know there are some injuries right now, but people are going to come back. Joel Embiid is going to prove that he can play more and more minutes. That's going to take some minutes off of Ben. The fact that he still doesn't have a reliable jumper yet, meaning that you can't really have him out there continuously, and you can't you can't play him next to Noel at all. And Noel is better at this point in his career, especially defensively. So there weren't enough minutes to go around, and I feel that teams would just have basically packed the paint against him, and that would have been a problem. Mm. Also, I feared that he would be looking for the highlight pass because we <laughs> didn't see anything else right. yeah. <laughs> in summer league. Yeah. And because I think, and, and here's the thing, my guy, he's just gotten benched, man, for each one more. Mm-hmm. So my guy, Buddy Heald, yep. you know, that, that pick doesn't look that sharp right now because he's not even going to start. But I, I would, my mindset was he's going to get a lot of minutes. He's going to get a lot of shots. I think he's underrated defensively. I, I just think he has this NBA-ready game, the NBA-ready body. I think he can come in immediately and become that second scorer next to Anthony Davis. And now he's on the bench. So, you know, I'll stick with my pick, but I'm a little bit more shaky on it right now. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, to your point about Simmons, uh, they do have a logjam. They have five guys, you know, Simmons, Embiid, Noel, Okafor, and Saric, all of whom need minutes at the four and the five. There was talk of playing Saric at the three or Simmons at the three occasionally, but obviously those plans are now on hold. Uh, They are dealing with some injuries, and we don't know how long (laughs) all five of those guys are going to be on the roster. Nerlens is dealing with this mysterious groin ailment that he self-reported, and now it's going to keep him out for opening night, if not longer. Uh, So it sounds like he is trying to force his way out uh, or trying to at least force the team to make a decision on which of the bigs they're going to keep. Um, so in in that sense, I think, I mean, they, they said it. 
Simmons was going to play 30-plus minutes a night. Like, they were not going... They'll play Noel 15, and they'll play Simmons 30. Like, they're not going to... But why, though? Like, Noel's so good. Yeah, I I just... He seems checked out. I'm resigned to the fact that he's now... He's going to be the one who's traded. And I'm bummed about okay, it. Okay, please, please, Jerry Reinsdorf, hire <laughs> Sam Hinkie and then let Sam Hinkie trade for Nerlens Noel. Please, I'll I'll get back on the Bulls train if that happens. Just, uh, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So I, I mean, also I think we're we're realizing now like there's not another good pick in rookie of the year. Like Simmons probably would have won it by default, much how Michael Carter Williams did a couple of years ago. Like, he just would have put up the counting stats where all these other guys, like Ingram's coming off the bench to start the year, Dunn's coming off the bench, Jalen Brown's coming off the bench, Buddy Heald's coming off the bench, Dragon Bender looks nowhere near ready to compete, Gary Harris is supposed to be ready pretty early in the year, so Jamal Murray's coming off the bench. Like, Simmons was probably, him and Sabonis maybe, are going to be the only two starters from day one of their rookie season before Simmons' injury, so... In that sense, I think he just would have been the clear favorite. But Sarah, how about you? Who do you have now that Simmons is out of the picture as the rookie of the year? Homie Dario. Homie Dario. <laughs> I like it. Well, that's not bad. I like it. <laughs> I do. I mean, I think he may not. I should probably won't win it just because I think sometimes they don't like to give it to the guys who, who've been overseas mm-hmm. and aren't, aren't as young. But, I mean, I think he's probably the best player. <laughs> best overall play. I don't know. I just really like Dario. So. Yeah. Go Dario. And I, I, total oversight on my part. He's also one of the rookies. I should have said the only so ones from that draft class. disappointed in you yeah. right now. Well, <laughs> yeah. the only ones and from that draft shoot. class that were, who are starting so. right away. But he and Embiid are both going to start, and they both count as rookies. So, yes, they're very much in the mix. And, yeah, I mean, now that Simmons – if I thought that – when I thought Simmons was out the whole year – I thought Sarich had a real chance, but now that Simmons is supposedly back in January, I think Sarich is going to start out hot, and then Simmons is going to come back and push him to the bench, and that might cut into his candidacy. You can read my thing about Embiid on Tuesday. Uh, I don't think he's going to be rookie of the year, just because I don't think he's going to get enough minutes, and you can find out more details there. Uh, So I also have Buddy Heald, just because, I mean, the Pelicans have very few other reliable scoring options outside of Anthony Davis. So unless they want to score yeah. like 70 points a game, they need someone to blow up for like 15 to 20, at least when, until Drew comes back and Tyreek. Uh, so I just think Buddy's going to have, he's going to have the opportunity to put up some major points and rookie of the year tends to go to the guy who just has the most impressive stat line. So even though he's coming off the bench, I think he could be, the yeah the the front runner in a very lackluster class so far. So now let us go back to defensive player of the year. Uh, I picked Kawhi Leonard for this one. And Sarah, before we started recording, you were saying how you're worried about some voter burnout. So can you talk to us about that one? I do think you know. I don't know why. I mean, he he is the best defender in the league it's certainly the best perimeter defender um of course there's guys like Avery Bradley who, who never gets really the respect that he deserves uh at least not award wise um but I do I just kind of feel like they're gonna they're gonna 
have voter fatigue and not vote him unless he is spectacular on that side of the ball this year, uh, more so than usual. Um, and he's going to have more offensive responsibility this year. So I don't know. I mean, I picked him because I think he's the best. Um, I was thinking, though, that it might finally be Draymond's year. But Draymond might be turning himself into the Bruce Bowen of this generation where he probably will deserve to win some, but maybe he won't get the votes because of some of the other things he does that people don't like. Um so I don't know. Like he would have been my number two pick, mm. but let's say if voters don't want to vote for him, then it's either probably going to be Whiteside or or Gobert. Mm-hmm. But I'm still Kawhi all the way. <laughs> yeah, Kawhi doesn't kick people in the nuts, so he gets that yeah. vote at least. <laughs> uh, Martin, who do you have for DPOY? Well, now it's going to be awkward because I have Draymond. Uh oh. There you go. Awkward. Yeah. 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 But uh, but you know. I only do because I have Kawhi as the MVP, as we're going to lean into momentarily. I don't think that Kawhi is going to win the Defensive Player of the Year if he's going to take the MVP award mm-hmm. because I think that would require him to take more shots. And even though he is a cyborg, I do think <laughs> that cyborgs can you know, experience fatigue. <laughs> just, just a little bit, maybe. Yeah, and I mean, also, the Spurs project to be worse defensively, having swapped out Tim Duncan for Pau Gasol. So the fact that he will not be yeah. on one of the elite defensive teams anymore, like, he got credit. I mean, both he and Draymond are elite defenders, and they were on great defensive teams. But if the Warriors are a top-five defensive team and the Spurs are in, like, the 10 to 15 range then it could switch to Draymond. So, I mean, I think those two are clearly the top two front runners, having finished first and second in the voting the past two years. But this one, I don't want to say it's wide open, because I think there's only really, we named all four guys who are mm-hmm. the clear favorites, but any one of those four would not be a huge surprise. This is still not one you should be throwing down huge amounts of money on. So let's move into the MVP. Mort, you already mentioned Kawhi as your pick. I think you, we talked about this a few weeks ago, how there's not a consensus definition of what most valuable player is. And you wrote this thing about Westbrook that you can find on today's Fast Break. Everyone should go check it out about uh, Westbrook's MVP chances and uh, why they may not be as good as Vegas would have you believe. So before we give our picks, or well, I guess you already spoiler alerted your pick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. before we give our picks, let's first say what we are using as the definition of MVP and then go into it. So more you pick Kawhi, what framework were you operating under? At first I was going off the you know, the literal sense, the most valuable player. Mm-hmm. Um and then you mentioned to me James Harden mm-hmm. at one point. And I could see the logic in that. So I kind of did what I, I kind of did what I bitched about, really. I tried <laughs> to gather a few of the things because it's so difficult to just use one definition of it and say, well, that's 
kind of it. And that's kind of why I wrote the piece on Westbrook, because you can look at it as, is he the most valuable to his team? Is he the best player on, on, his, on his team with a good record? Now, let's assume he's breaking all type of records and, and he's like has this historic season, but the Thunder is not a winning ball club. How does that all come together? Well, okay. Kawhi, I think, is the best player on one of the best teams in the NBA. I also think he's by far the most valuable player for his team. Like, there is no one... I mean, LaMarcus is good, but there's, like, a significant step up to to Kawhi. Mm -hmm. So I'm using that criteria. I I think there's enough separation between Kawhi and LaMarcus for Kawhi to justify his position as the MVP. Okay. And the fact that he plays both ends of the court... Yeah. That has a huge attraction to me because... I do not support the Steve Nash MVP, for example. I I know he's great, and I will always think that he's great. But I hate the fact that he only played on one end of the court. Hate it. Yeah, yeah, that's all. All of which are fair points. Um, Sarah, who do you have as MVP? Or first, tell us what you use to select your MVP, and then who you have. Well. I was more going by precedent and the way that things usually go than than by any definition that I made up. Um, and also kind of basing it on the finals last year and feeling like I think people are going to feel like LeBron has maybe been unfairly overlooked a little bit. So I, I think LeBron has a really good chance to win it this year. Although we talked about the fact that, you know, he's he's going to stick with a maintenance plan because it obviously works. So it's, there's a little leeway there. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I guess it kind of depends, but I think people will feel like he, he kind of deserves it. And he probably does like after what he did in the finals, I still can't really believe that that happened, <laughs> but it did. So that's your <laughs> cue to bring up yes, what happened that, in the finals. That, so. That's just a reminder to everyone. Probably our last. We're getting these jokes in now because the Warriors are just going to destroy the league. So, just a reminder that the Warriors did, in fact, blow a three-one lead in the finals to the Cavs. You can watch. There it is. You can watch oh. the Cavs ring night on Tuesday. We have no listeners in the Bay Area. Right. I remind you of that. There's a reason for it. Like I was looking at our stats and I was wondering, like, why do we not have any? listeners in the bay area and i kind of now i know now I, that's why i buried I that joke it. at the end of this episode so they have to get the whole way and then I'd be like oh yeah. damn it <laughs> again yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah jokes on you bay area fans um yeah, yeah i mean i think I, Le- yeah. lebron is like that's that's a very fair logical pick i mean if you're going by the best player in the nba lebron james clearly i mean you know, Steph won the last two years because he was on such a good team and because he had some of, I mean, his season last year, you know, Anthony Davis two years ago uh, was the 11th best PER of all time. Steph last year mm-hmm. passed him on that list. So it was like a historically great <laughs> season. Um, and so I think, Sarah, you mentioned it. The, the maintenance plan is the big reservation with LeBron because otherwise mm-hmm. he's the best player in the league. He's going to be on a 55-61 team. He fits all of the rest of the, the mold. Um, so I was also like you. I really went with uh, precedent in how it's been picked in the past rather than best player in the league. You know, it, they, Voters tend to focus on 
te- players on teams that are very good. Like, you're not going to have an MVP from the Phoenix Suns this year, even if Devin Booker puts up 35 points a game. Like, you need, you almost have to make the playoffs. You almost have to be a top four seed uh, yeah. to be in serious contention for MVP. So I think Kawhi and LeBron are both great picks. I mean, Curry and Durant, you know, they're the three reigning MVPs. And I think the only concern with them is that they're going to cannibalize votes from each other. Uh, mm-hmm. If anything, I think Durant might get a few more than Curry just because he's the new infusion on that team. And Oh, the Charles Barkley 2.0 award? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if, yeah. I mean, if we, if what we've seen in preseason is any indication, the Warriors are really going to destroy the league this year. Like, all three of those guys, uh, being Steph, Clay, and Durant, are shooting out of their mind. Like, it's just. It's a cheat code. So they, both of them, if they weren't on the same team, both of them would probably be one, one and two in the MVP race. I'm going to go with James Harden, and I'm going to hold my nose while I'm doing it. But for whatever Ooh. reason, I mean, I, I said this uh, when we were previewing that division. You know, he was second in the MVP race two years ago. And to be fair, that was on a 60-win Rockets team. So I'm already going against my point about you know i picked the rockets what sixth (laughs) in the yeah sixth in the west yeah so he would be defying precedent in that regard just because i don't think the rockets are going to be a 60 win team again that said i think under d'antoni he is just going to have such a monster statistical season that that does play into voters minds like if he has 30-plus points, 10-plus assists, and 7 to 8 rebounds a game, and he's hitting three threes and has two steals, that's going to be hard to ignore, even if he's only on a 45-50 win team rather than a 60 win team. He has talked about how it's important for him to play all 82 games. You know, that tends to factor in. If someone misses 10 games, it's like, who is more valuable? The guy who's there for every single game. Um, And he's also... I forget what, who, which story I read this in, but he was talking about how, like, yeah, man, I see these YouTube highlights of me not playing defense. Like, that sucks. I'm going to try harder this year. So <laughs> <laughs> on a D'Antoni Rockets team, try harder is going to be very relative because that team is not going to play defense. I think we've all reached that conclusion. But they're going to play a very fast pace, which only increases his chance of putting up monster numbers. The ball is going to be in his hands all the time. The D'Antoni system is like Mori ball on steroids. It's just going to be bombing threes. So I think he has a chance to put up some truly historic numbers, and that's why I have him, despite the concerns about his team and his defense. I'm going to challenge you right now because you just applied the logic that he would be historic even though he was he was on a six-seat team, like supposedly, right? Mm-hmm. All right, you have the Thunder seventh, mm-hmm. just one slot down. Yep, there is Russell Westbrook. Who, all right, fair enough. He's not as strong a defender as he once was, but he's still a better defender than Harden, mm-hmm. and he is likely to explode even more, like especially if you adjust for pace, mm-hmm. than Harden. Yeah. So why the selection of Harden over Westbrook? if you are applying the logic that historic measures uh, is taking into effect? Yeah, that's a very fair question, and I I don't have an MVP 
official ballot or I don't have one like written out in terms of ranks, but I think Westbrook just in terms of like definitely in my top five trying to think probably I would say probably be four on my list right now. I would say Harden, Mm. LeBron, Kawhi, Westbrook, just off the complete top of my head. The thing about Westbrook that worries me is I think he could, you know, there, I'm hoping he puts up huge numbers. Again, I have him in a fantasy keeper league. I, I think he's. Yeah. We saw him two years ago with Durant. We're without Durant and Ibaka, and he put up like a triple double every night. Uh, I don't know if he can sustain that pace for 82 games, and I'm wondering if Adams, Sabonis, Cantor, if those guys are going to play a bigger role than we're realizing. So maybe Westbrook has those games where he goes off for 45, 15, and 10 but then he might settle in to a slightly maybe like right around where he was last year, a little bit higher in terms of scoring. So I think he was around 23, 24 points last year. Maybe he's like 26, 27, 10 assists, seven rebounds. I think Harden is going to put up bigger numbers than Westbrook this year is what it comes down to. Just in terms of yeah. uh, raw numbers. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And I don't think voters are adjusting for pace and for offensive possessions so I, I think in terms of just box score output they're going to see Harden exceeding Westbrook on a slightly better team than Westbrook mm. and that would be my pick for that alright that's fair That's fair. okay so that's going to put a wrap on our season preview uh, thanks to all of you for giving a listen you can go back uh, down the list in our feed and check out each individual uh, division preview if you want a little bit more content before the season starts you can find a bunch more 3-1 jokes in there for those who hate <laughs> Warriors fans uh, <laughs> otherwise give us a follow at the NBA pod on Twitter check us out on iTunes and at today's fast break as well and we will be back soon to finally start talking about real basketball again so until then I'm Brian Taporic. I was joined as always by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea as always, guys, it was great talking to you. Likewise, Bri. Me too. All right, take care. Welcome to Total Wine & More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine & More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance.
And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.